Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Inside Rosenberg and Estes. I am Dave Lorenzo, and we're talking housing. And today my guest is Daniel Bernstein. Daniel's a lawyer here at Rosenberg and Estes. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. Nice to speak with you again, Dave. Happy to talk about housing issues today. All right, Dan. So get us started by telling us a little bit about uh, your background. Why did you become a lawyer and why did you pick real estate in particular? Sure. Um, Lifelong New Yorker, grew up here, went to school here, raising my family here, uh, been involved in real estate issues a very long time. Uh, Actually started as an immigration lawyer, public interest immigration lawyer for seven years of my career, switched over to real estate about 20 years ago, Uh, son of an architect. Uh, been expediting filings and around construction sites for a long time. Uh, it's exciting to be involved with the folks who are shaping development and housing in the city uh, to, to make it a place people live, work, uh, and uh, get around. And I find it endlessly fascinating and important. And right now is a particularly interesting time because The governor and the mayor are in alignment about the need for significant increase in housing production. Uh, uh, And the governor has made certain proposals that are before the New York State Legislature. The legislature is considering it. And this is a hot topic we are following closely that could make a great deal, deal of difference to our clients and to the people of New York City and New York State. Yeah, Dan, let's get into that a little bit. So as we're as we're recording this, it's the very beginning of April 2023. It's budget season, right? So that's where all the changes tend to happen. Go through the changes that are on the horizon for us, Dan, and talk about how they would impact property owners, developers, landlords, all the folks you work with at Rosenberg and Estes. Sure. So uh, there are really two milestone dates, right? The the New York State budget has to be done on or around April 1st of each year. Uh, If something's going to become law as uh, part of the budget process, it would be around that time. And then the New York State legislative session runs till the end of June. So there's sort of two bites at this app. The governor's proposals have included major incentives for conversions of non-residential office buildings, for example, to residential? Are they major enough to incentivize developers to do those conversions and include affordable housing in them? Uh, Not sure. Can it be improved? Yes. Uh, The governor has proposed an extension of the deadline for certain commenced projects to complete construction under the 421A program. See what happens with that. Uh, A number of other incentives. And the governor has proposed Uh, a major set of requirements for certain regions in the state to produce a certain increase in housing on a certain schedule. The legislature has responded by saying, no, no, don't make this a mandate, make it a a voluntary program with incentives. And there are other related issues under discussion, but that's been the dialogue over the past 60 days. And we have about 90 more days left in the legislative session, not quite by this point. Uh, And it's being intensely followed up in Albany and around the state. 
Dan, what are your what are your clients saying about each of these? Which are they which are they most concerned about? And is there anything in there that they view as a positive for them? Sure. Uh, different clients are focused on different aspects. Uh, there are the clients who own or are looking to buy uh, certain non-residential properties that might be underperforming, partially vacant, potentially convertible to residential use. They are looking at whether there will be legal changes that will allow this. Uh, there are certain op legal obstacles. They are also looking at whether they have any incentives to include affordable housing, whether the government's going to incentivize affordable housing, reduce rents for certain units. Uh, that's one very significant issue that's being looked at. Um, every owner has a different situation, acquired for a different basis, has different circumstances, but that's one issue. Uh, owners of development sites that have commenced under 421A, uh, multifamily buildings that may have trouble completing in the next three years, there's a three-year completion deadline from now, 2026, are looking to see whether there's going to be an extension of time to complete their projects. That's been proposed by the governor. It's under discussion. Uh, and generally, uh, whether there are going to be more housing-favorable uh, legal changes, uh, either required or incentivized, that will have a major impact on the whole state's production of housing uh, of all different sorts. So that affects many different stakeholders as well. Now, Dan, go into, go into 421A a little bit. That's a, that's a program that over the years has been, has been popular with a lot of developers. What are the, what are the proposed changes that, are, that, are, uh, that we're looking at right now? Is there, is there anything in there that we need to be concerned about? Well, the changes that are proposed right now by the governor really would only apply to projects that commenced construction by June 15th of 2022 that are in the pipeline, that are vested for that program, but they also currently need to complete construction by June 15th, 26. In the current interest rate environment and with certain other challenging sites or large projects, uh, having an extension of time to complete would be very helpful to some of those projects uh, to, that are already started, that wouldn't create it wouldn't expand the universe of, of eligible projects, but it would uh, give reassurance to those developers, those lenders, to produce more housing. And remember that rental projects under that version of 421A have to make 25 or 30 percent of the units affordable. Uh, so they would also produce a significant amount of affordable housing. There are uh, at minimum 30-something thousand units in that pipeline. I think it's actually quite more than that. Uh, and so that would be significant. The governor, in the last legislative session, proposed a replacement to the 421A program for future projects. That didn't get traction. So this legislative session, the governor said, well, why doesn't the legislature propose a replacement if and when they're ready? They haven't done so yet. I think it's, it's something to watch a little later. Remember, it's, you know, the 421A program only expired about nine months ago. There's a lot of projects that raced to commence and are in the pipeline, uh, need to get built in the next three or more years, depending. Uh, but we're, this is a, a moment to watch this space if you're a developer of new construction multifamily in New York City.
Now, how likely, in your opinion, right, because nobody knows for sure, but how likely, in your opinion, is it for, uh, for, for these things to actually become law, for these things to come to fruition? And what horse trading do you see going on? You know, what will we lose out on in order to get some of the benefits? Right. Um, that's a great question. The legislators involved have many different priorities. Uh, I think housing production is important, but it's not the only priority of, of some of the legislators. And I've heard different proposals being suggested, perhaps vouchers for subsidy, additional subsidies for certain tenants or additional protections for certain tenants being asked for by some legislators. Uh, to balance against some of these proposals that would produce more housing or assist with the development of more of more housing, more affordable housing. You know, it, not everything that goes on gets put out in the form of a bill. They get discussed first. Uh, I know that there are many people addressing these issues uh, with legislators at this point. And, you know, I would hope that the outcome of these, this legislative session is something productive for the state that doesn't unnecessarily burden private developers because when it comes down to it, the state, the city don't have the funds to build all the housing that's needed. Private actors, developers, borrowers, lenders need to be incentivized in a predictable way to build more housing. And they need a reasonable rate of return. They need assurances as to what the obligations are. What are, the, what are they going to give the public? What are they going to get back? Does it make sense? There needs to be predictability to plan. That's what I'm hoping comes out of this. Uh, I, I've also spoken with many architects about the governor's housing proposals, and th there's a suggestion that a certain amount of resources need to be devoted to planning for some of the governor's proposals to increase housing near transit stations and in other places, and to, to generally support the increase in housing that the governor's hoping and, and planning will come. So that might give some more comfort uh, to municipalities uh, and local elected officials on, that, that more housing will be good and, and, and not burden the existing infrastructure. Dan, what, when you talk to your clients, what are they what are they worried about? What's keeping them up at night right now? Right. So this is a challenging time to own New York State real property, right? There are some owners of certain non-residential properties that are dealing with higher than usual vacancy or question about what are the what's the demand for office property post you know, three years after the start of COVID, there are questions about the pipeline of new multifamily apartment buildings. Does that make sense to build uh, without a 421A or a similar program to help address property taxes? Because without some help in that department, those buildings could expect to pay in the neighborhood of perhaps 30% of their rents as property taxes, pretty high burden. Uh, and also just whether or not the environment of owning multifamily housing in New York City makes sense for private capital 
you know, how much regulation applies to those units because capital can go other places. And I think it's important to show New York's open for business. New York's a place that is good to build in, to own in, to invest in, and to build. Uh, and, and that's an environment that the state legislature, the governor, the, the, the legal system can help foster or they can discourage in that department. And I, I think it's very important to, to focus on what, what the state does. Dan, in, in working with uh, developers, working with landlords, is there a sense that maybe you know asking for asking for more incentivizing more residential development now this is not the right time given that the taxes are what they are and uh, we just came through a covid pandemic where people were fleeing population centers is are you hearing any sense of hey I don't know that this is the right time to bring more inventory into a system where people aren't, you know, people aren't looking to be on top of each other. Is that is there any of that now or is this? I think it's actually the opposite. I think it, it, you know, housing, as we've learned over the last three years, housing is vitally important. Housing is where people isolated during during moments when they when if people were testing positive for COVID, right? Home, uh, housing is where more people than ever worked from home, to, you know, for those who could. Uh, there's a focus on what, you know, where is housing in relationship to places of work, right? Uh, transportation times, commuting times. Uh, New York City, I, I, I read uh, very recently in the last decade, created approximately 1.2 million jobs and created 400,000 units of housing. We have a disconnect between the, the, the demand for housing for the population and the housing production and supply. Uh, it, it, if anything, it's, it's only intensified with a surge in uh, individuals, migrants coming to New York from Texas, Florida, other locations put into the city, which the city by law welcomes uh, and, and has to house, but it strains the housing system at the shelter system, the housing system, even more. I think this is exactly the time to reposition housing laws to encourage, incentivize, uh, to facilitate more housing for people of all uh, income levels, uh, all different types of housing. And it's a very good set of proposals from the governor. Can they be improved? Of course, through the discussion with the legislature, but this will help New York. It, it is the right time to focus on these and these issues and, and, and these changes. And uh, I, I would just hope that when it, you know, that we see in the next 90 days some productive legal changes come out of Albany. Uh, a lot of people are very keenly focused on this uh, because it's important to the future of the city and the state. Yeah, you raise an interesting point, Dan, and that and that point is one that, hey, listen, there are people coming to New York, but the people who are coming to New York need housing that is affordable for them. And these are the very people that are going to be the, the fuel for the economy, right? So we often hear about, we, we hear a lot about New York and we hear a lot about how 
you know, there are, you know, there are jobs that are leaving New York because of tax incentives, but we don't hear about the other side of the coin. So the proposals that you're talking about that are in the budget or that may be, that may work their way through the legislature by the end of the session, they're targeted at the people who are actually coming here. So as landlords, if we're, if we're developing property now and I call Dan Bernstein for advice, what do you say to the landlords? Do you say, hey, listen, you know, the, what, what's, on the, what's on the table for 421A looks really, really good. If you're going to develop a project, that would be something to look at. Or is there some other type of incentive that you see that may be worthwhile for developers to look at to take advantage of the demand that, that, that we were just talking about? Yeah. We're, we're at a moment where some of the tools for housing production are not available, right? The 421A program expired last June, except for projects that commenced in time. Uh, an incentive called J51 that was available for rehabilitation, renovations of certain properties also expired recently. The city's toolbox is limited. Uh, and there are some legal, uh, uh, there, there are some laws in place that also prevent certain conversions to residential that would need to be changed. So I think it's all worth a fresh look at, as well as what are the expectations of the city and municipalities, the suburbs, upstate, what should be expected of them in terms of housing production. There are very legitimate issues of local control versus state mandates, uh, whether there should be funding and, and, and incentives for, you know, and support for more support for housing production. I think that's a completely legitimate discussion and, and very worthwhile. But, you know, if New York is open for business, and that's what my clients want to know, uh, part of these changes would involve showing that through concrete actions that set out an environment where someone can say, I want to build in New York. I think it's a great place to build housing, to build other kinds of uh uses, mixed income, mixed use, uh, and I want to make sure I'll do well by it. I want to help the community, but I need an infrastructure, a, le a legal system where this project makes economic sense, where a lender can lend, where, where investors can invest and build. And we're at a moment where there's a bit of a, a, a gap with that, right? We need that the state needs to take certain action uh, to, to, to show this that New York is really open for business uh, in, in the production of housing and to meet the needs of its citizens, of, it, of its residents. It's very important. Uh, I think to the governor, to her credit, the mayor has spoken about this as well. Uh, but it's we have a democratic process that the legislature will consider. There are a lot of stakeholders up in Albany to, to, to address this. And I hope, you know, not everybody will get everything they want. I understand that. But we have to use this opportunity to see some productive steps forward uh, because I think waiting another year would be a waste for the state if, if there were not some very significant legal changes. Okay, Dan, what's on your desk right now? What are you working on like these days today while we're waiting for the budget and for the legislature? What are you working on right now? What are the pressing issues you're facing? Right. Um, you know, there are 
always a steady stream of existing projects that I'm working on that need to work through some of those regulatory uh, issues to uh, take advantage of uh, an existing 421A uh, incentive that's available or, or to generate additional residential development rights under inclusionary housing or under some of these other programs. You know, there are a lot of projects in the pipeline. We're working on steadily. We're working on not-for-profit exemptions. We're working on commercial, commercial projects that have certain incentives they'll take advantage of. We're looking at properties for, for purchasers and lenders. You know, we're, we're still quite busy, but the new construction pipeline is relatively cut off. The city can't finance, as I said, every new construction project. They can only finance some deeply affordable projects, state. Uh, and so there's a lot of money sitting on the sidelines and, and investors and builders sitting on the sidelines saying, we'd like to do something in New York. What are our options? We're looking at a few of those. We're looking at what can be done in different circumstances. Um, but in terms of what are the programs that are available, uh, the state needs to step up to, to help more development happen. So, you know, we're busy with the existing programs. We're busy helping folks who want to look at properties that are already in some of those regulatory programs, incentive programs. And, you know, we're quite busy with that, but we're always looking on the horizon to see what's coming and to advise our, our clients and potential clients uh, so they can make good decisions. Dan, what, just out of curiosity, what led to the, uh, the, uh, these programs, these affordable housing programs expiring? Why, why didn't the state act sooner before they expired? Because they're so, they're so important and they've been around for so long. What led to the expiration? Well, there's been a discussion uh, among New York elected officials about whether incentives, housing incentives for affordable housing in particular, make sense as presently written. I think that's a completely legitimate discussion. I think it's, it's true that the 421A program evolved over the last uh, number of iterations over the past years. The affordability limits changed. Uh, I do fall into the camp of let's mend it, not end it. Let's find a trade-off that gives a sufficient benefit to the public and enough of a benefit to private developers that will incentivize them to participate and still build housing. Uh, you don't really see new construction happening without it. Uh, it's a philosophical discussion. Uh, it's one that I don't think uh, it is necessarily going to be resolved this legislative session with the replacement of 421A. We'll have to see. But longer term, I think this needs to be addressed. Uh, otherwise, at some point, the pipeline of multifamily projects is not going to include many new rental apartments other than the few that get government subsidy and other than, say, condominiums, right? So. Uh, that's that's really the question, uh, and, and that's sort of how the issue is, has uh, arrived at this point. So, Dan, who's the who's the ideal person to reach out to you for help? Who is uh, who's the perfect client for for Dan Bernstein at Rosenberg and Estes? Sure. 
anyone who is looking to develop in New York City, who has an existing project, they want to move forward and either comply with certain regulatory requirements of a site or take advantage of incentives. If you're looking to buy such a property, if you're looking to lend against it, those are my clients. Those are who I'm very happy to speak to. Uh, I also am happy to talk to folks who support them, architects, uh, uh, you know, lenders, just to kick the tires on these issues because you know, we can be a resource in the community. Folk, folks help us. We help others. Happy to have these conversations about potential deals, potential projects. You know, this is this is the way of the world, and and I like those conversations, uh, so I, I welcome them. What's the best way to get a hold of you, Dan? Sure. I can be emailed at dbernstein at rosenbergestis.com or call me, find me on the rosenbergestis.com website. My information's all there, my phone number, et cetera. And I'm, I'm here to help. All right, great. We will put Dan's uh, phone number and his email address and all the information down in the show notes so that you can reach him. Dan, thanks for joining us today on Inside Rosenberg and Estes. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Pleasure, Dave. Thank you again. All righty, folks, that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you back here next time. Until then, take care.